Welcome to Fight Back Radio, the Marxist voice of labor and youth in Canada, and the best source for a revolutionary analysis of current events, perspectives, and theory. Okay, welcome everybody to uh, this discussion titled Strike Against Inflation. Now, inflation is an issue that the, that the younger generation hasn't really had to think about. That for the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years, inflation has been hovering around 2%. And so, so prices has been relatively stable and, and people haven't really thought about it. And, and, and wage contracts, well, over this period, you had a series of attacks upon working class people, and governments have put forward uh, uh, wage freezes or 1% wage increases, which is and has been a wage cut for workers over the last 20 or 30 years. But it wasn't uh, such a sort of a massive cut because prices seem to be relatively stable. In fact, actually, in some elements, prices went down. Computers, uh, TVs, stuff like that. Well, I guess young people don't have TVs these days, do they? Uh, just use their laptops. Uh, but so, some, some elements went down. Uh, one of those is not rent. Rent did nef definitely did not go down. It's been going up and up and up. But broadly speaking, workers sort of stomach to sort of a, a 1% raise because inflation was only 2%. Uh, although over the years that really adds up. But now, now it's 8.1%. That's the highest inflation in almost 40 years. Right? And this really concentrates the mind. This really concentrates the mind we, that there hasn't been inflation this high since the early 80s. And the 70s and the 80s were the decades of inflation. And so we now we go going back to where the movement was back in the 1970s. And, and hopefully through this discussion, we'll learn some of the, the lessons that uh, the movement learned back in that period. So inflation's going up by about 8%, but wages have only been going up somewhere between 3 and 5%. So you just do the, do the math. That leaves workers sort of between three and 5% behind where they were even a year ago. And then that adds up. Imagine you're losing 5% every year over a three-year union contract. You're 15% behind. In fact, the, the education workers, I know, I know we've got a couple of education workers in the room, the government is putting forward a 2% wage increase. A 2% when inflation is eight. So it's, they're gonna be losing 6% of their standard of living every single year over a three-year contract, actually four-year contract. They're gonna be losing a quarter of their living standard. This is horrendous. This is the fuel of mass struggle because working class people won't just stomach that. They won't stomach that. And so where does this, so what do we do? And in fact, actually, I, I talk about 8% inflation. Well, that's just the average inflation across all commodities. 
But what do working class people spend their money on? Food. Anyone eaten lately? You know, uh, food inflation, groceries, it's 10%. Rent, it's also 10%. Housing costs, about 10%. Gas, fill your tank for those who have to commute to work. It's been like 30, 40%. So the things that working class people actually spend money on, it's going up and up. Heating costs as well. Yeah. I'm not from Canada originally, but I've noticed it gets a little bit cold in the winter. Heating costs, major issue for working class people. So this really makes people think about sort of how are they going to survive? What are they going to do about this? I forgot to start my timer, so how much am I in? Sort of like about four and a half minutes. Okay, let's call it five. Okay. Um, so what do we do? What do working class people do? And also, where does inflation come from? In fact, if you, if you read the business press, it, it seems like magic voodoo in terms of the, the explanations of where inflation actually comes from. And, and in fact, it, it, their, their ideas are bunk. Their ideas are totally bunk and unscientific. Because what are they blaming for inflation? They're blaming workers. They're blaming workers. They're putting forward this unscientific uh, theory called the wage sp price spiral. It is quite astounding that they try to get away from this, get, get away with this, because wages have been totally stagnant over the last 40 years. Wages have been flat, if not going down, in a real sense. And yet they're saying that wages cause inflation. It makes absolutely no sense. No sense at all to blame wages. And yet, why are they doing this? Well, and, and Tiff Macklem, governor, governor of the Bank of Canada, spoke to a business audience. Of course he spoke to a business audience. He's not going to speak to workers. Uh, he's not our Bank of Canada. He's uh, ba bank governor. He's their bank governor. And, and he said, don't worry, keep wages low. That will solve inflation. He was telling bosses, keep wages low, that will solve inflation. Eventually, inflation will come down. Well, how long will that take? It, you know, oh, a few years, by which time workers are, have lost a quarter percent of their living standard. M trying to make the workers pay for something that's not their responsibility. Right? So it's blaming wages. When, uh, uh, yeah, empirically, it makes absolutely no sense. When wages go up 1% or 2% and inflation is 5 to 8%, how can it be wages? It can't be wages. It's totally bunk. Uh, but that's just a, a so empirical statistical observation. I'll, I'll get into it later of the theory behind what actually causes inflation. But if you think about it, prices. What are the components of prices? Well, there's wages. So a commodity is sold, and out of that sale, okay, the company pays wages. But the company also pays for raw materials and stuff like that. And most importantly, the company 
gives profits to shareholders and profits to CEOs. Now, our Bank of Canada governor, like Tiff Macklin, seems to have forgotten the word profits. They seem to be this magical thing that turns up from nowhere, rather than a component part of prices. Profits clearly come from sales. How, how, where else do they come from? And so he has conveniently forgotten this, maybe because he earns $400,000 a year. Actually, that's just his base rate of pay. I, I didn't even look up what his uh, benefits and stock options and pensions and stuff like that is. That's just his base pay is 400000 It's uh, entirely likely that his uh, total net pay, net value, is, might be closer to a million dollars a year. Don't know. But uh, what's happened to profits? Profits clearly a component part of prices. While in fact, over the last two years, profits have gone up by 109% in Canada. 109% from, yeah, now they're $402 billion from around $200 billion average over the last period. So they've been profiteering massively. Surely that's got to be a part of prices. Surely that's got to be a part of inflation. And as, as a proportion of GDP, profits during the 1970s were about seven, no, about 9% of GDP. Now they've gone up to 15% of GDP, whilst the proportion of GDP due to wages is going down. So what you're seeing is a transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich and they're increasing prices. Okay, but Tiff Macklin, Governor of the Bank of Canada, is very concerned about wages and its role in inflation. Well, surely he could speak to his fellow bank governors, his fellow CEOs, and say, look, inflation's a problem. Maybe you could just look after your own wages a bit. These are the people he hangs out with after all. Well, what's been happening for CEO pay? The top 100 CEOs in Canada, their base comp their compensation last year went up by 32%. So I think it's like $1.6 billion between 100 CEOs. But that doesn't cause inflation, does it? No. Workers. Blame the workers, blame the workers, blame the workers. Totally unscientific. And so that puts uh, the workers in the position. We are in a situation, there's no better word for it than class war. That there is a crisis in society, an inflation crisis, and they're trying to make working class people pay for that crisis. So that push down wages below the increase in the cost of living and the increase in the cost of living is absolutely nothing to do with working class people. It's created by the capitalists and their system. So it's up to us. We need to scientifically understand why are things going up? Why are the prices of everything going up? And, and there's a number of different factors. Uh, I, I've just uh, detailed corporate profiteering. And that is a component of it. 
that is a component of it. There was one study in the United States that, per, that uh, estimated that profiteering was 60% of inflation. Now, some people have um, questioned some of the, uh, the figures in that study, and, and maybe 60% is a bit high. Maybe not. Uh, but 60% is not 100%, even if 60% is the true number, and those are American numbers rather than Canadian numbers. But profiteering is clearly a part of it, right? So the, uh, the right wing says, oh, you know, inflation, we should keep wages low to keep down inflation. Well, maybe we should keep profits down to keep down inflation. No, you can't say that. No, you can't say that. <laughs> um, so profiteering is a part of it. But there's other parts of it also. How, what did the Canadian government, other sort of Western governments do during COVID? Well, they massively reduced interest rates and printed money. It's a process called quantitative easing. Actually, the governor of the, ba the Bank of Canada has started pushing back as, oh no, we didn't print money, we didn't print money. Yeah. Did they technically print money? Did they go to the photocopier over there and, you know, and print money? No, they didn't. They didn't have to. Uh, they did sort of funny financial maneuvers that is exactly the same effect as printing money. It massively increased the money supply. Uh, by creating money out of nothing and buying government bonds. Oh, except it wasn't called money, it was reserves, but it acts like money, so who cares? Right. Uh, so they're, tr they're trying to argue, oh no, we didn't print money. Uh, actually, I, I put up a, a sort of a tweet about this recently. Uh, it's basically them arguing te technicalities, saying, uh, you know, did they print money? No, they printed something that acts like money. So it's like if I'm kicking you and you're saying, you know, don't kick me with your boots, and I say these aren't boots, they're shoes. What's the difference? You know. I do have some big boots at home, so maybe it makes a difference. But, uh, but really, there's no freaking difference. And so they've been printing money. What happens when you print money? Well, value is the labor of working class people. Value, commodities are exchanged based about, around how many hours it takes to produce them. That's, that's how things are exchanged. If there's the same amount of value in the economy, but there's twice the amount of currency, then that currency will be worth half the amount it used to be worth. So when they're printing money, when they're doing this quantitative easing, when they're lowering inf interest rates, that serves to increase the money supply, lowers the value of money, and uh, causes inflation. What is more, why did they do this quantitative easing? What did, what did they actually do with all that extra money? Overwhelmingly, it was bailouts to banks, corporations, big biz business. Anybody remember the uh, emergency wage subsidy? So actually the right wing was really complaining about the SERB, the $2,000 a month that people survived on during the pandemic. Well, in fact, for every dollar that went out in SERB as support to workers, $10 went out to corporations 
in terms of various forms of bailouts. Right? The emergency wage subsidy is a huge, huge handout, utter handout, uh, frequently to zombie corporations that were dead anyway. And they were just getting this money from the government, uh, this corporate welfare to survive. And, and then profitable corporations were just sucking it up and sucking it up, you know, just using accountancy tricks to pretend that they needed it. And so they got like hundreds of billions of dollars through that. And there was a whole other series, you know, there was wage subsidies, rent subsidies, there was interest-free forgivable loans, everything. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of corporate welfare financed out of printing money. That uh, many of those corporations either didn't need or they were dead anyway. And, and the minute that the, uh, the corporate welfare is turned off, they died. Actually, I heard it on the radio. Now, now Magazine was living off this corporate welfare for the last few years, and now it's been turned off and they're dead. Uh, it's a shame. That's actually the one, the one thing that I'd actually miss, because I like Now Magazine. Uh, but um, the, the, the other ones are far less deserving of support. Um, so that's where the money went. It didn't go to working class people, it went to corporations. And, but now the result has been inflation and they're making working class people pay for it by keeping wages below inflation. And, and at the time, yeah, us in Fight Back, we wrote about this and said, eventually somebody has to pay. And, you don't, and, we, and it hasn't been determined which way they're gonna make the workers pay. Either, they print money and there's inflation and we pay by cost of everything being higher than our wages. That's what's happening now. We did put, there was other possibility of they don't print money and in fact they uh, uh, institute austerity and cuts and uh, job losses and, and that's the way they make the workers pay. So we're in the inflation camp rather than the, uh, the austerity camp. Maybe in a few years' time, they'll, they'll move to austerity. Uh, not that it isn't some austerity, but it's uh, more inflation than austerity. But doesn't matter. Under the capitalist system, one way or another, they try to make the workers pay for the crisis in their system. I may, I may add, yeah, if anybody believes that capitalism is a great system and works for working class people, Remember, the government of the Bank of Canada is literally saying the workers must be poorer, right? I'm a revolutionary socialist. I, I ideologically believe that capitalism is against workers. But here, you've got the chief capitalist saying capitalism is bad for workers. He's saying that workers must pay, take a pay cut. That's what he said. So if you, if you want an expression of the bankruptcy of the system, thank, thank Tiff Macklem. He's admitted it all. He's let the cat out of the back. He wants workers to be poorer. Uh, that's the logic of the system. So you print money, give corporate welfare, causes inflation, workers are poorer. There's other things causing inflation. There's the, the chaos in the economic system. The fact that uh, production for profit cannot cope 
hasn't been able to cope with the dislocation of the pandemic. And, and combined with that, the war in Ukraine, the, uh, what is it, the, uh, the sanctions against Russia, the dislocation in oil markets, that itself also plays a role in, uh, in inflation. Right? The system is chaotic. Imperialism is a system that doesn't work. Uh, the, it's, capitalism is a system of war and comp competition for markets. Again, all of this has served to you know, increase the price of oil, make everything else exp more expensive, increase the price of wheat, makes food and bread more expensive. And then they want working class people to pay. Oh, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? That's where inflation comes from. Inflation comes from the capitalist system trying to find a way out. And what do we do about it? I could, actually, I should debunk this idea of the wage price spiral. Actually, hands up if you heard of the wage price spiral. Okay, I'll explain it to you. So this is, this is the, uh, the, the theory that they blame workers for inflation. Well, first, statistically, it makes no sense. Wages are lower than inflation, so wages cannot be causing inflation. But I'll explain it theoretically while it's bunk. The idea is inflation is high, so workers demand wages that keep track with inflation. All right. But then, because wages have gone up, then the companies raise prices to compensate for the higher wages. And then workers demand more pay increases, so companies increase prices more, and, wage, and workers demand more, and then companies do more, and so on and so forth, until a loaf of bread is a million dollars. There's the theory. Here's the problem with that theory. It assumes that prices are purely arbitrary and can be set at a whim. They're not arbitrary. They cannot be set at a whim. The fact that I said it before, the value of a commodity is equal to the hours of labor contained within that commodity. That is Marxist idea put forward by Karl Marx, but it's the only scientific uh, explanation of value. Number of hours, that's what exchange. When, when commodities are exchanged, they're exchanged for something that costs 20 hours labor is exchanged for something else that costs 20 hours of labor with money as intermediate. Right? If the value of money stays the same, which it hasn't lately, value of money has been going down, but the value of money stays the same, then Commodities of 20 hours will be the same price, and that will be stable. Why? So, okay, you've got a commodity. It takes 20 hours to produce. Now, and the, actually, let's say, come on, I'll make a simpler example. Commodity takes 10 hours to produce. The, and workers aren't paid for the work that they do. Pay, workers are actually paid their ability to work. So if you work a 10-hour day, uh, if you were paid 10 hours of value, 
Where do profits come from? There's no profits. Capitalists wouldn't get anything. Right? So workers aren't actually paid for the labor they do. They are paid for their ability to work. And what is the ability to work for a worker? Well, it's the number of hours it takes to feed, clothe, house a worker, number of hours of value, so subsistence. It's the number of hours it takes to educate that worker. It's the number of hours it takes to reproduce the worker, so uh, take care of a family, potentially, because the, uh, the capitalists need another generation of wage slaves. And, and, then, and then there's a moral amount in any society of, of the acceptable standard of living for any society. Typically, the number of hours of, of value of commodities it takes to feed, clothe, house, educate, reproduce, etc., a worker is less than the working day. Right? And what is left over is known as surplus value. And that's where profits come from. So let's say the wages of a worker are the equivalent of five hours labor. And, but they make commodity, you know, but a commodity is 10 hours labor. Price of that commodity is 10 hours labor and working day is 10 hours. Let's say the wages of a worker now goes from five hours to six hours. How many hours did it take to produce that commodity? Did it now take 11 hours to produce that commodity? No, it still takes 10 hours to produce that commodity. The only difference is, instead of the worker getting paid five hours and the boss getting five hours surplus value profit, now the worker gets six hours and the boss gets four hours surplus value profit. Because the time it took to produce the commodity has not changed. That's the labor theory of value. Right? Think about it the other way. Workers, like the bosses are complaining now about wages going up and our wages increase prices. But what's been happening for the last 30, 40 years? Wages get pushed down. Did prices go down? No, prices didn't go down. Say that the uh, wages of the worker went from five hours to four hours value. Does the, does the price of the commodity go from 10 hours to nine hours? No, it stayed at 10. The bosses pocketed the profit. That's why they're profiteering. They push down the wages of the workers and they pof, pro, pocket the difference. Nod, nod your head if you get it. Good. <laughs> it's a little, I'm, I'm trying to sort of express it popularly. Uh, it's not always so easy, uh, but the commodity took 10 hours. And as long as the commodity takes 10 hours, that value is split between the worker and the boss. Right? And if the worker gets more, the boss gets less. And the worker gets less, the boss gets more. And prices only go up when wages go up, if profits also go up. So those bankers who say that profits need to go down to keep prices down. No, we say, pro sorry, wages need to go down to keep prices down. No, we say profits need to go down to keep prices down. And in fact, it's not that. That's not what's happening. Profits have been going up and up and up. Like I said, 109% in the last two years, 32% since 
CEO pay. These bastards are running away like bandits and they're daring to blame workers who are going backwards. So we cannot stomach this. We cannot allow this to continue. And, and this plays a huge role in class consciousness. Huge role in class consciousness. Look, working class people don't want to go on strike. Why do you want to go on strike? It's frightening. You have to live on picket pay. Uh, so it's very, you, know, you lose money. People don't want to go on strike. Uh, and yet, people are going on strike. In fact, so last year, there was 1.3 million working days lost to strikes in Canada. This year, so far, just nine months in, there's been 1.6 million working days lost. So 1.3 to 1.6, and there's still another three months to go. And potentially, you know, big education strike on the horizon. So uh, class consciousness is rising up. People are realizing that they can't just sit and take it. That if you don't push back, if you don't fight back, you will be going backwards. And, and so class consciousness is rising up. Actually, arguably, Canada's a little bit behind. In the United States, there's a huge unionization wave. Amazon, Starbucks. Yeah, I saw the news that a year ago, how many unionized Starbucks were there? Zero. Now there's 200. That's what happens with class consciousness. And yes, and Amazon has been working, uh, been unionizing, and, and there's that wave. In Britain, there's a huge strike wave. There's talk of a general strike, actually. Uh, again, against inflation. Inflation is the main driver. And, and so Canada, maybe we're a step or two behind, but we're on the same road. We're on exactly the same road. There is this increase in strikes, increase in class consciousness. And, and this is what happened in the 1970s. The 1970s were the decade of strikes as workers fought to keep up with inflation. So that is the lesson. So what do we do? What do we do? That's why it's so important we've got this campaign, picket lines mean do not cross. The first thing we say is that workers must refuse to go backwards. In fact, there's a great slogan from one of the union leaders in Britain. We refuse to be poor. We refuse to be poor. Why should we go backwards? Why should we have wages under inflation? In fact, not only should they not be under inflation, we've lost like a 10%, workers have lost like 10% of their take home every decade. So workers need catch-up. They need catch-up for everything they've lost in the past period. But they also need to keep up with inflation. So either that needs to be negotiated directly, so every wage increase needs to be 8% and more, or what was the norm in the 1970s, what's known as a COLA clause, cost of living allowance. I recently saw a statistic about this. Over 95% of union contracts in 1977 had COLA clauses. 
So if inflation was 5%, your wages were topped up by 5% automatically. But then class war and low inflation uh, by the bosses, class war by the bosses combined by low inflation became less of an issue. Uh, now, I think it's like 10% or 10 of union contracts or something like that have COLA clauses. COLA clauses keep up with inflation, an uh, uh, absolutely vital need for the workers' movement. And in fact, BC government employees recently went on strike for COLA. Sadly, unfortunately, I just heard the news today that the bargaining team uh, capitulated on that. And but that's going up to the workers. Hopefully, the workers will vault it down. Uh, but uh, uh, the union was on strike for COLA. And, and, and a big strike in Ontario in preparation is the education workers, where yeah, uh, the QP education workers are putting forward 11.7% 11 increase uh, a year for three years to catch up with the sort of 11% uh, lost in the, the last decade, plus keep up with inflation over the next few years. So that's good. Cola clause would be better because it's automatic. But um, the importance is workers not accept to be poor. Workers not accept to go backwards. Uh, but we, we also need to make sure that we've got fighting unions and fighting organizations that are willing to lead these struggles. And, and, and that's starting to happen in Britain, uh, that you've got uh, new, more militant labor leaders uh, coming up. We need that in Canada. Unfortunately, we're, we're quite a bit behind that. that yes, uh, it was mentioned uh, earlier that uh, the, the Labour Council marched people past the picket line into the CNE. It was quite utterly scandalous. And that is no way to achieve uh, maintaining the standard of living of workers. We need solidarity. We need to respect picket lines. And we need to demand not to be poor. So that's the first thing you do about inflation. Wages must keep up, cola and catch up. You know, I couldn't find uh, you know, what fries and burgers are, but you know. Uh, <laughs> but we need cola and catch up. Uh, so for to workers. But the next thing, but you need to understand the systemic nature of inflation. So first thing is fight, strike, demand not to go backwards. But that gives the workers the confidence and the understanding to understand it is the capitalist system. It is that pr it's production for profit and their profiteering that produces this inflation. So we need to unite our wage struggles with a systemic struggle against the capitalist economic system itself. The first thing we must demand is open the books. Right? Open the books. Let's see. Let's see where these corporations are putting their money. Let's see how they set prices. Let's see what goes to wages. Let's see what goes to profits. Let's see what goes to CEO pay. Open the books. Show us the money, as they say. So all of working class people can see how the wage price spiral is BS. And, and in fact, it is corporate profits and profiteering. All right, we'll see it. But then you're going to do something about it. 
could do something about it. That's why this need, the economy shouldn't be run by the capitalists who are ruining everything, who have created this inflation, who are, who are pushing down the standard of living of workers, demanding that workers accept less. Now, working class people not, are the people who already make the economy run. It should be run democratically by working class people. Workers need to take it over. You can't control what you don't own. It should be taken over by working class people, nationalized, expropriated, put it under working, workers' control. That's uh, how, how you know, once we know what's uh, wrong with the system, working class people need to run it. And then we will fairly decide and see what the inputs and the outputs are decide fair prices. Decide fair prices and stop inflation. And, uh, but don't stop there. We need a socialist economy. We need a socialist economy. We need to take over the banks. We need to take over Tiff Macklin's buddies. We need to kick out Tiff Macklin. Uh, funnily enough, uh, Pierre Polyev, the, the, the new uh, soon-to-be new right-wing uh, leader of the Conservative Party uh, is also calling for the removal of Polyev, uh, sorry, removal of uh, Tiff Macklin. Uh, so actually we've got solidarity with the right wing on this. <laughs> uh, but uh, we've got quite a while, uh, 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 the, right, the far right blame uh, the Bank of Canada and uh, the Trudeau government for inflation and printing money. They've got half a point there. They will never mention profiteering. They will never mention profiteering, and, we, and that's right at the center of our analysis, right? So yes, kick out the, these proponents of the unscientific wage price spiral and, and run it by working class people. And we won't be printing money for corporate bailouts. We'll have stable currency and that the money exists. Again, $402 billion of profits. In fact, they're sitting on, I think it's like $1.6 trillion of dead money, not even doing anything, just sitting in bank vaults. They can't invest it at a profit when people are homeless, people are malnourished, schools, hospitals, are, are old folks' homes are crumbling and they're sitting on trillions of dollars. That's the capitalist system. The money exists. We need to take over the banks and integrate worker-controlled, nationalized, planned economy, as a part of a planned economy. Production for need and not for profit, not for profiteering. So we need, we need that socialist perspective, that, that socialist perspective in the movement that doesn't accept the logic of capitalism, doesn't accept the logic of profit motive. But it starts, it starts for de by demanding we don't get poorer. That's where it starts. It starts by demand saying we won't go backwards and if you don't give the workers uh, a reasonable wage that keeps track and with inflation and has a reasonable increase, if you don't do that, we will go on strike. And we'll have organizations that are prepared to go on strike. And we will have organizations that do not cross picket lines. Picket lines mean do not cross. That's what we start with. 
But we don't stop there. We go with an ideological struggle, socialist struggle for workers' liberation and workers' power. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fight Back Radio. Fight Back is a revolutionary organization fighting for the socialist transformation of society. We are the Canadian section of the International Marxist Tendency. We actively seek to educate workers and youth in the genuine ideas of Marxism in order to fight back against capitalist attacks and austerity and bring an end to capitalism. However, we won't be able to do this on our own. So if you agree with us, get involved. We can be found online at marxist.ca, on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Canada Marxists, on Instagram at Socialist Fightback, and on YouTube as Fightback La Riposte. For international news and analysis, check out In Defense of Marxism at Marxist.com. The music in this episode was General Strike by Soul Jazz Orchestra. They can be found at souljazzorchestra.com. <laughs>